From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Heather Knight, welcome to Total SF. Peter Hartlaub, welcome to San Francisco City Insider. I'm liking these crossover episodes. Yeah, they're super fun. They're fun. I'm hoping people listen to both episodes in their entirety. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it'll be exactly the same. Almost exactly the same. A little bit different with the theme music. Um, (laughs) I want to do more of these. Total SF is our project that we work on together, and this podcast has kind of been rebranded. But um, occasionally, when we have someone who crosses into politics and culture, we're going to get both. And that's Velasco Wynn. Uh, public defender, comedian, and he's running for supervisor in District 7? He is. He's announcing it on the podcast. Um, supervisor Norman Yee is termed out, and so there will be an open race to replace him in November. There are already several candidates. The latest is Velasco Win, public defender, comedian, model, dad. <laughs> He's got a lot to talk about. Yeah, and you really like the fact that we get to the lightning round. He goes through the City Insider uh, lightning round and did not pick Atticus Finch as his favorite lawyer in movies. He picked... Elle Woods from Legally Blonde, which made me like him more. Yeah, we like that a lot. Um, But we get tough with him, too. A lot of tough questions. He's actually got a show coming up. He's got a lot going on, announcing for Supervisor, and he's got a show, Closing Arguments, at the Brava on February 29th. Tickets at www.brava.org. I'm really interested to see what it's like, because I did a whole profile on him, but it was a year ago, and I know he's been working a lot on his comedy since then. Cool. So should we tell people about the survey? Let's do it. Okay. There's a survey at the Chronicle. This is very important, City (laughs) Insider and Total SF listeners. You can take a quick survey at sfchronicle.com slash podcast survey. And if you complete it, you'll be entered in a drawing for one of $500 gift cards, Heather. This is an amazing opportunity. Yeah, the Chronicle, I mean, we're doing good now, but we're not always giving away $500 gift cards. So it's a short survey. We really want to know what you think about Chronicle podcasts. That's sfchronicle.com slash podcast survey. I'm Peter Hartlob. I'm Heather Knight. And this is a Total SF City Insider crossover. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Total SF, Heather Knight. Hello. And welcome for the first time, Velasco Wynn. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to have you. I feel like I'm having you back because uh, I did a profile on you like a year ago, and um, I didn't know where it was. It was a hard profile to write. I didn't really know where to start because you had a lot of interesting stuff going on. Starting with where was our very first connection? I think it was with our Halloween costume contest. I feel like every major milestone in my life has been related to you. Wow. Oh, wow. I've I've been authorized to already share this. My wife loves Peter. So does everybody. So does everyone, but particularly you're the inspiration why we still to this day make homemade Halloween costumes despite our kids not appreciating any of it. And I think our first connection was when uh, my daughter Vivian is about to be 12, my son is 8, when they were tiny 
my my wife made a costume. What was that? The Discovery, like the rocket ship? And oh, I remember shuttle. it distinctly. It was yeah. the Space Shuttle Discovery, which had just done this kind of lap uh, through the Bay Area. Like, I went out to see it with my kids, who were very young, and it had a little, like, piggybacked uh, Space Shuttle Discovery on... It was like a giant jet plane. Yes. And this was the inspiration for your costume, yes. which was your kids. How old were your kids? And my, describe this costume. My daughter was the like the uh jet or the the airplane and she was maybe three three and a half and my my son was like a baby uh on the brink of becoming a toddler so he was attached to my <laughs> daughter and it required me to bend over and essentially break my back holding <laughs> this form and even the in the picture that we submitted like my arms are like in the shot, only my son. Uh, but my my wife was just completely on cloud nine because yeah. he gave her a shout out. And our prize was a Key and Peele DVD. Yeah, this is back when I gave out DVDs as prizes and people were excited about that. Now, now we give out old photos as prizes. Yeah. Oh, that's way better. Can we trade it in? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> yeah, can yeah, definitely you totally oh, that trade it in. You're in the spot. Um, well, welcome. I mean, I'd love to talk about this because I run into so many people who tell me, do you know Heather Knight? I mean, she's kind of the George Michael, and I'm the, uh, wh- who's the other guy? I, I don't, don't even, even know. know. Wham, <laughs> Andrew something. Um, so this is super exciting. I'd, I'd love to keep talking about me, but you have. <laughs> How do you, you feel about being described as the, uh, the George Michael? We, Usually you say like I'm the Paul Simon to your Art Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel. Yeah. I actually like that a little better because high <laughs> harmonies are important to the <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. I'm he useful. has more hair, though. Um, but you have a comedy special coming up at the Brava in the Mission. Yes, thank you for bringing it up. It's going to be Saturday, February 29th, leap year at 8 p.m. Doors open at 7, and you can stand in front of the theater as long as you want. Excellent. And you February have another super huge announcement that we're, it's great that Heather's here. Yes. This was a total surprise to me. I invited you on the podcast yeah. to talk about comedy, to talk about being a public defender. And you're like, oh, I'm dropping something else, Peter. I am announcing my run for San Francisco supervisor in District 7 uh, tomorrow. Wow. Wow, and tomorrow is going to be today by the time people listen to this. <laughs> yes, that is correct. So um, we're going to get into that. Heather's going to have some tough questions for you. Um, I'm the good cop. She's the bad cop. But I wanted to start. You are a model, correct? Purported. Purported. It depends on who you ask. Tell me about the background of the, Tell me what this is in the background of your modeling career. Because I think this has leaked into your comedy before. I, I think my greatest modeling achievement occurred well before I, I began comedy. Uh, when I was in college, some random person grabbed me on campus, uh, took a Polaroid, and then I got a call back to be a stock photo model. Uh-huh. And I, I think I got paid a hundred bucks. And my face appeared on everything from um, STD ads <laughs> to... I need to find that. You started with the punchline, STD ads. I mean, well, why waste time? Yeah. Let's just get straight to it. But also, you've been like, I mean, like, you open a magazine, and there's Velasca as, like, a doctor with, like, a nice family, you know, and it's an ad for pharmaceuticals You do look really familiar, and I've never met you before, so maybe that's why. I think that's why I'm typecasted as the ethnically ambiguous guy Mm -hmm. who could be your doctor, a teacher, 
or the guy with an STD on the bus. (laughs) I play a a broad range of roles. You could be anyone. I could be anyone. Maybe even a supervisor. Yes. So Velasca is, uh, rhymes with Alaska, and that was kind of the beginning, right? Well, my my parents, uh, they left, they fled communists on the fall of Saigon, Mm -hmm. and we ended up in Anchorage, Alaska. my dad was a fisherman. He was a longshoreman for Sealand during the war, and that's where I was born. So the the name Velasca, it's kind of cool. It's grown on me. It's like a story of tradition and opportunity. Uh, my my parents wanted me to remember where I came from. So Vietnam, Alaska wow. is a combination. Oh, that's cool. There we go. That's yeah. kind of cool. And then Bay Area uh, a little bit later in your life. I came here to law school in 2001 uh, at the University of San Francisco, and that's where I met my wife, Rianne, and we've been in the city ever since. Were you wanting to be a public defender pretty early on? And I mean, San Francisco, the public defender's office is really renowned, um, not just for for producing politicians, for producing really good public defenders. Um, I always say, like, if I commit a crime, I want it to be in San Francisco, like not in the Presidio, not on the federal land, but in San Francisco where I'm going to get a really good defense. Was that something you wanted even when you were in law school? I want that now. I want to represent you if you need <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Peter, you need to commit a crime. Yeah. In, in law school, I came to law school thinking I was going to do policy work. I was working for a civil rights commission, the Commission on Asian Pacific American Affairs in Seattle. Uh, that was like my first job out of college. And I thought I was just living the greatest life, making like $24,000 a year. So I really thought I was going to be in policy for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And then I just fell in love with uh, direct advocacy. How long have you been in the office? Over 15 years. Wow. People stay there a really long time, I've noticed. It's a great office. I mean, uh, I, I feel very fortunate that I've had a very long career and I really enjoy the work I do. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about the comedy um after we get to the, you know, kind of a little bit more of the bad cop part. Um <laughs> Heather's got some tough questions for you, I'm sure. Oh, no. But I, I did want to ask like is public defender work um is that something that matches with the comedy well? Because I don't I wouldn't normally right off the bat think so, but I've seen you perform and a lot of the public defender work finds its way into your comedy. Like I was in uh, this really long, intense sexual assault case, and a juror came up to me after the trial and was like, Mr. Wynn, um, you know what would make you really credible? I was like, what? <laughs> Facial hair. <laughs> And let me just explain, uh, I'm trying as hard as I can. I've been working on this goatee for, I don't know, maybe three decades. I've had one razor my entire life. I got it from my dad. He got it from his dad. It has been used one time in its life by my wife. (laughs) The way I think of both is storytelling. And 
being a trial lawyer, I think even being in law school, I, I feel like I was conditioned to r- really evaluate risk. And like being a trial lawyer, I think I got to a point where I was trying to micromanage every single piece of evidence to get a particular reaction or emotional response from a juror. And it's the complete opposite in comedy where you're either funny or you're going to bomb and it's your fault. Yeah. (laughs) There's no deliberation. Well, it's been a big year at the public defender's office for good and bad reasons. What was it like when Jeff Adachi passed so suddenly to work there in the office and what was your relationship like with him? I remember getting the news. It was on the weekend. I was at home with my family and we're just having uh, dinner with friends and uh, it, it was pretty devastating. I feel like the weeks and months after Jeff passed away, uh, I was like in denial and just processing and mourning. Uh, there was also the issue of like, who's going to lead us? And I think just reflecting back, I also really appreciated how much Jeff meant in my life. I probably would have quit comedy so many times, mm-hmm. but for Jeff, he would pull me aside and like give me these little pep talks or these mantras like, what's holding you back? Or why can't you be the next Ali Wong? Wow. And I'd be in the, in the middle of like a murder trial or something. It's like, because of work, Jeff. Yeah. He, but, but he had made, he was a filmmaker. He yeah. made uh, documentary films um, feature length while he was a public defender. He, he was an artist in his own right. So I think we were kindred spirits in that regard. And he was just so supportive. He was really uh, a, an advocate for diversity and equal representation in Hollywood and entertainment. The first time I met Jeff was when I was in law school and he was handing out literature in front of uh, Amoeba on Haight Street. And I just fell in love with him then. And fast forward, he watched my first comedy performance across the street at the Milk Bar. And when I was done with my set, he pulled me aside and was like, Velasca, I hope you never quit comedy because we need Asian Americans to diversify Hollywood. Oh, that's And really that's cool. exactly what he said. And I just scoffed. I was like, whatever, Jeff. No. <laughs> I really appreciate all those words and the, the encouragement um, that he would give me was invaluable. Mm-hmm. Like even when uh, Peter, your article came out, he took a snapshot of it and then sent me a text with the title and it was like caps like the movie a star is born and i was like oh jeff (laughs) (laughs) another big event in the public defenders this office this year was chesa bodine being elected to district attorney in a big upset over the preferred candidate Susie loftus um what what was it like to work with chesa and what do you think he'll do as the top prosecutor in san francisco it was amazing working with chesa being in the trenches with someone, you know their character, you know their work ethic, and um, I know his personality. Uh, I think Chesa has like a, a, a different campaign that he's putting on now uh, to justify why he's in office, and I think uh, given time, he's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And so um, it seems like public defenders are trying to take over every aspect of San Francisco city government. There's several running for judge. We have one as the DA, and now you are trying to be supervisor. Yes. What's the deal with that? Uh, I 
I, I it was interesting bringing up Jeff. I feel like he was he would always be there. Mm-hmm. He would always take care of us. <laughs> he would lead the office, and I I don't know if this kind of revolution or this political movement uh, coincides with his passing. But mm-hmm. I feel like individually, it's it's my time. I feel like I can I can contribute to the greater good of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, being a dad and. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all my experience and insight. So I can only speak for myself, um, but I'm, I feel like I'm ready. And what would you say are your top three issues as a supervisor candidate? What would you do if you win? I, I think some of the issues in District 7 are are pretty um, applicable to the entire city. I mean, affordable housing, homelessness, and you know, public safety are always going to be ongoing issues, mm-hmm. and I, I really feel that those priorities are, are something that I can really help with, just given um, my unique experience being in the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. knowing the root causes of, of crime, but also just being you know, a Catholic family guy mm-hmm. in District 7, seeing the issues and the problems of the city through the lens of my kids. I mean, I... I would not approach or look at the same issues the same way like 15 years ago versus, you know, now driving a minivan <laughs> wearing Crocs. Uh, but Which, it's, a, it's a different perspective. A supervisor Yi has not found anywhere in all of District 7 that he could put a navigation center or pretty much any services for homeless people. Do you think you could find one and would you aim to do that? I, I would definitely reach out to people like you mm-hmm. in, in the district. I think it has to be community-based. Everyone has to be invested and involved. I think, you know, regardless of what district it, it is in the city, if you're just arbitrarily deciding in this particular space, we're gonna put these city services and housing or a navigation center, that's a big problem. And it will never be successful without any, everyone being involved. But do you think there should be one in District 7? I, I think it's early right now. Um, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, it has to be community-based. And if it's not, then it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's um, a good place to raise kids? I'm raising kids here in San Francisco, and I love it overall. But, of course, there are issues I wish I could change. So um, as a politician, how would you handle those issues that you see maybe differently as a public defender versus a father? I think they're the same. I, I love the city. I think it's a great place to raise kids. And I, I feel if we are all on board with that, then we can really kind of shift the, the dialogue and the narrative and be real family-focused or family-centric. I know it's kind of odd saying that in San Francisco because that's not so typical. Uh, but I, I just want to raise my kids to be compassionate, empathetic, mm-hmm. and... Uh, involved in in some way, and I I think, uh, I mean the the city is also great for for art. It's mm-hmm. great for sports. I think kids are spoiled. They think the Warriors and the Giants are going <laughs> to win championships every year. And the Niners. Uh, My kids are so spoiled. I I want an unsuccessful. I want the Giants to be bad for like fourteen years. No. Just like I I don't, but I little piece of me does just so my children can suffer like I did. I, I so. want to restrain myself from being that old curmudgeon and like reminding the kids. But I mean, it's great. That's their perspective. I mean, the biggest complaint my kids have 
now with the Chase Center is like there's no dipping dots. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a hard life. <laughs> they, we we walked around that place forever. We did not find <laughs> any dipping dots. So. My last political question for now: What would you do about the drug crisis and mental health crisis that is increasingly present on our streets and sidewalks? I I think you know we we started the job and we just have to keep doing it. With I'm a big proponent and supporter of Mental Health SF. I think. We can't just marginalize uh, those types of issues without talking about housing um, and other services that we need to make available and and grow. And maybe we we can be smarter or more efficient, but that's a really complicated problem that is not just isolated to to mental health or or drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt Gonzalez. artist much like Adachi has an art background and my first uh, basically my first job coming back to San Francisco to be a journalist was to cover his DA's race which was wild Um, he was I don't know if he was in his early 30s maybe and and running for DA as a long shot and then got some traction later ran for mayor later like ran for president vice president with Ralph Nader yes are you talking to him throughout this? Is he like your kind of Tom Hayden consigliari? Are you talking with him about the pol- politics part? And has he tried to talk you out of it? Matt is like the Zen Buddhist. Uh-huh. I, I don't talk too much about politics with him. In fact, we probably connect more over uh, art. I mean, he's actually a big fan of my daughter. Uh, my daughter, I, I think they're... It's like doodling culture, (laughs) but she loves to draw. She loves to paint. And Matt had uh, a gallery. Uh, He's a very prominent collage artist. And I I found out really very recently he got a couple pieces in at the MoMA. But he is a big fan of uh, my daughter and invited her to show a piece at his gallery. And she sold it. And like, oh my goodness. You know, Vivian was there and it was cool kind of seeing her hear people react to her piece and um you know they were everyone thought she was like some young probably 30s skater punk dude (laughs) who made this little art graffiti piece oh that's Um, cool well he's never gonna admit it but i have this growing theory now that with you and with chesa that there's just this takeover of public defenders in san francisco and it's going to end like the checkmate is going to be matt gonzalez running for either mayor again or governor i can't rematch with gavin i don't know there's some long game that he's playing and he'll deny it and you'll deny it but i'm still floating that theory (laughs) i I think i I have some pretty good insight that he will never do that (laughs) that means he will he's got a good good setup right now (laughs) well well comedy um public defender you're a comedian tell me about your very first time on an open mic and how did that go oh I was terrible it and was... you're a public defender when this happened yes yeah so my my first open mic was roughly six years ago and I had uh, a buddy who was a defense attorney who was just pestering me about doing this mic and uh, we did it at brainwash cafe which was a stone's throw from the public defender's office it it has now been closed for uh, some time but a laundromat and comedy club brainwash run by tony sparks he started at the luggage store moved to brainwash 
and so many comedians, anytime I interview like an Al Madrigal or an Ali Wong or Brent Weinbach, these comedians who have made it always have a brainwash or luggage, uh, luggage center or luggage yeah. store, I forget. But um, so this is where open mic, where people start and you went there and... And let me just say, there are far more people than Ali Wong and Al Madrigal yeah. that just waned and fizzled into the night. <laughs> uh, but I, I had my first open mic set at the brainwash. It was three minutes. It was terrible. And then someone from that set saw me and thought it was funny enough to, and so he invited me on one of his showcases. What brought you back? Well, what, someone, what kept you going? So someone invited me to do a showcase after that first performance. So then I realized, oh, I have to write more jokes. And I, I think I was doing comedy for like two or three months. And then uh, I had a really good set, like a five minute set. And it was at a mixed mic where people are playing music. Someone uh, was doing poetry. And right after this poet, I, I did a set. And it was really good. And I, I felt like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a comic. And the following week, or that weekend, uh, we we're my wife and I were on a double date at the chapel. And the security guard remembered me. He was at that show. And was like, oh, you're Velasca. When are you going to perform next? And our, our friends had no idea I was doing comedy. And they're like, what? When did you start doing stand-up comedy? So I think that combination of those two things, actually doing well during a performance and having a certain degree of validation made me pursue it a little bit more. So I've seen you, and there's a lot of public defender in your stand-up comedy. What's the mix going to be like on the 29th at the Brava and the Mission? Um, and this Good is plan, your Peter. Th- thank you. And this is your what was first uh, Saturday, <laughs> February 29th. Saturday, February 29th. Um, what's the set going to be like? What's the mix between Public Defender and other stuff? And there, a little bit of storytelling. I mean, tell me about what people are going to get to see there. Well, I, I, I think what people will be surprised uh, in terms of the development of my comedy, I feel like in the last year, year and a half, but particularly the year, I've given myself more license just to be silly. And it, it I really love um, Conan's podcast. Oh, it's awesome. And when he sat yeah. down with Stephen Colbert, it just hit so many notes. And I feel like those two guys were speaking to me, having this religion of being silly and I feel like I've put up a lot of obstacles or restrictions on myself. And my natural voice, just being a dad and being amongst my friends, is being silly and telling stories. So I, I heard that episode and I started working on tone mm-hmm. and, and putting stories together with punchlines. And I feel like it was a real develop, development for my uh, comedic performance. Yeah. So more like... Al Madrigal less like uh, uh, Stephen Wright. I love how you're comparing me to these people. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly what you said. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I think it's lightning round time, and uh, and this is really, really the bad cop time. Because, <laughs> I thought it was over. I because, thought we were no, doing bad cop. I said for now. No, for now. And this is like you're getting into the realm of politics. And let me tell you, I have seen or listened to mostly, but seeing Heather Knight 
reduce politicians to tears because they <laughs> don't know where their favorite burrito place is and can't name their favorite San Francisco movie. Oh, so I, I just, I you wish totally you luck. You totally gave him a heads up. I know I did. I but like also, him. I'm really, I mean, I should be better about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so we're, I we're, also have, I'm going to plug, I also have a podcast called San Francisco City Insider. And this will be a crossover this episode. This is a crossover episode. Yes. So they're listening and to so both. All politicians who come on my show, ha- it's politics focus, have to answer the very important lightning round questions. Okay. Okay. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? I don't like burritos. I love tacos. And uh, they're, this is so bad. It's like right next to Papa John's. I'm so bad with names, but they've got the best um Alpastor tacos in Park Merced. You know that strip where there's Papa okay. John's, there's a Wells Fargo. I'm terrible. I've lost. <laughs> you're, you're Mark you Lenoing this question. <laughs> Mark Leno is very famous for actually having a lot of specifics about his favorite burrito place, but not knowing the name. I'm not yeah. a big fan of burritos. I feel like you're not yeah. maximizing the the quality of the meat and mm-hmm. the sauces. Like, what's your taco order? Two Alpastor and two carnitas. Nice. And if I want to treat myself, then I'll get one of those or two of those is like super. So like two regulars or three regulars and a super. If I'm feeling like I had a, like a good comedy set or it was yeah. a great day or if it's a Tuesday night or a Wednesday <laughs> night. You're feeling or, like taking two years off your life. Yeah. Is that orders. And I I'm apologize. You know? I'm terrible yeah. with names. But like that, that spot right across from the Brava Theater. That's the best green sauce. Mm. All right. Like just independent of the tacos, the best green sauce. All right. I know that's not helping. (laughs) What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Dirty Harry. Okay. Where is your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Stiff drink. Um, I I don't have stiff drinks anymore. Or a beer. Or a beer. Um... I like Social Kitchen. That brewery is pretty good. I used to really love uh, 21st Amendment mm-hmm. down in the Bayview um, or Speakeasy. Um, I feel like I just don't have time to drink anymore. <laughs> but when you have kids, <laughs> you me. really need to drink. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant, bar, or small business in District 7? Champa Garden. Mm, that's good. Like but it kind of sucks because, like, I shouldn't say it sucks. Um, <laughs> my my son has a peanut allergy, oh. so we're always really diligent about the places we go. Mm-hmm. So he likes pasta, mm-hmm. and if he could dictate where we go, we would just go to Olive Garden all the time, mm-hmm. which is not where we want to go. Your district includes Sutro Tower, and the people that run it are considering repainting it. Should it be red and white, rainbow, gray, or something else? And answer this very carefully, because your political future is at stake with this question. It is. (laughs) I am a pretty boring dad, so I gravitate to neutral colors, and Uh I'm trying to divorce myself from that. Mm -hmm. So like grays and browns and natural tones. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I had just to be practical, red and white Mm -hmm. is... You'd go for red and white. I mean, it, so you can see it. Is that and, your final answer? Yeah, okay. that's my final answer. There's no wrong answer except gray. Yeah, gray is the wrong answer. You might still be elected. Okay, your district also includes a lot of golf course land. I got in trouble in a column once with the pro-golf contingent for suggesting the city has too much land set aside for golf courses and too little set aside for housing. Where do you stand on the golf course housing spectrum? I feel like if it was going to be done, it would be done by now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's just easy 
to say, yeah, we should take over um, whole 18 for for more housing. I I think if you could work it, I'm I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. I think, but just I'm do, also not a golfer. Do whole 17 twice. So I think yeah. we should just do that. Commit to it, Heather. Okay. Are you ready? We're in favor of that. Whole 18 Officially gone. Annexing whole 18. Yeah, yeah. I'm. My final answer is we can go 17. <laughs> okay, take the 18th hole. Okay. Is it really that important? The 18th? No. I don't think any of them are important, but. I'm going to get in trouble again for saying that. What is your favorite depiction of a lawyer in movies or on TV? I can start with the one that I feel is the worst, which is Atticus Finch. I don't... Really? I don't think he was a good lawyer. Hmm. <laughs> I, I've that never heard that take. I want to go down this that road. That is the most I don't, controversial thing you've said. I don't think that's very controversial. I mean, in, in the most poignant scene where he's cross-examining the complaining witness, he just stops... And then the judge even looks at him like Radicus, and he just sits down. Um, That's a hardcore public defender take. Because <laughs> so many people, like when they sit there and somebody asks in these lightning rounds, um, you know, a lawyer question, they immediately go to Kill a Mockingbird. Atticus Finch is the right answer. Right. So I never thought of it that way. But <laughs> I. I, I think that's the way that Heather and I probably look at journalism movies and be like, oh, that guy's desk isn't messy enough. This is a bad movie. There's no way that copy editor would have her own office. This is a bad movie. I think so. the best depiction is Elle Wood oh, and Legally Blonde. I think I'd she love was. Her. I think she's badass, mm-hmm. and she pushed wow. against the the uh, the narrative, and she won. Her so maybe I'm just like exposing myself, and this is a real homer question in terms of just cross examination. But the cross examination scene where she reveals the truth was so great. Like, Elle Woods is a better lawyer than Atticus Finch. I've never heard take. that before. Absolutely. That is the take Amy. of someone who's going to shake things up in <laughs> District 7. I just pushed the button. <laughs> <laughs> I just pushed back against the system. I, re- I, I really believe that. I mean, do you I disagree? Too. No. What is something pop culture gets wrong about being a lawyer? The Miranda issue. I don't know. This is not new. There's been... Like The Daily Show, uh, John Oliver, you know, um, the the right to remain silent. And I I actually hear this like, oh, they didn't read me my rights. Does that mean they should dismiss the case? No. Um, Once someone is in custody uh, for a crime and they are um, not advised of the right to remain silent, the limited issue is whether or not that state that subsequent statement would come into court so when people reference they didn't read my rights it's really limited to some purported statement or confession Hmm. okay lastly what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day reading with the kids i think that's important Mm -hmm. um we'll we'll take at least my my daughter's about to be 12 so she she always has a book Mm -hmm. and it's kind of cute she'll inhale the centerfold of the book Aww. before she turns it every single time. That's cute. And I think she's getting, well, yeah, it's, it's great. So we, we read together. I like that. Read together as a family. That's a good uh, end. But not as good of an end as Brava Theater, <laughs> <laughs> February 29th. 8 p.m. What the is mission. the name of this this uh, this comedy special? Does it have a name or is it just Velasco Win? The comedy special is called Closing Argument. Okay. Oh. Excellent. Clever. Excellent. 
Uh, we'll so get that in the intro. Yeah. So um, people have already heard it. Uh, thank you very much for coming to the Total SF City Insider crossover. Thank you very much for coming to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is another milestone in, in my life. I, we, we got the, uh, the Key and Peele DVD from the homemade <laughs> Halloween costume. I got into Datebook, and now I'm here hanging out with you two. This is unreal. Yeah. <laughs> this was you. fun. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Thank you. Good Heather. luck with your Thank race. You, You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Velasco Wynn. Total SF is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at www.sfchronicle.com pod.